Pastor Dale said, it's going to carry on for the rest of my life. And so I'm very honored and um, it's a privilege to be able to serve all of you here at our church, um, C4, and even our community around the world. Um, before, I, you know, I don't want to go any deeper into it because I don't want, you guys didn't come here to, to hear me tear up or whatever. And so I'm going to get into the message today. And so we're in um, a series called The Upside Down Kingdom. And what we're learning, what we're experiencing is actually that, I don't know if you see that picture right there. But that the way that we live is actually upside down from the way that God had set forth for his kingdom to be. And so if, you, um, if you're new here or maybe you missed a, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we started off the series. I'd like to um, direct you to our website that actually has all the messages online or even just check out our app because you can um, just watch and catch up on the, the messages. But what we're really learning is that there are two kingdoms involved here on earth today. You guys remember um, Tom and Jerry, you know, that cartoon show with the cat and the mouse? I think it was Tom. He was the cat, right? He, he kind of had this picture of what it looks like to be us here today because on one shoulder, he would have the devil telling him things. And on another shoulder, he would have an angel. And, the, and they would kind of just fight. And that's what we're learning, that there are two kingdoms here on earth. You can have the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, or there is also the kingdom where Satan rules over. And the thing about it is we can't double dip. You know, for me, I got to admit, for me at times, I wish I could have a finger in God's kingdom and my big toe over in Satan's kingdom. You know what I mean? But what we're experiencing and what we're learning is that you're either in one or the other. You can't be in both and you can't be in the middle. And so as we look today, we're talking about temptations. The past few weeks, we've been kind of dissecting what it looks like to be in the shoes of Jesus in Matthew's account of the gospel. Pastor Jared started us off with the first temptation. Pastor Tifo, yes, uh, last week with the second. And I'm going to lead us into the third temptation that Jesus walked through today. But first of all, let me ask you a question. What is a temptation anyways? I mean, I think a lot of us, when we hear that word temptation or we're tempted, we're thinking like bad stuff, you know, like you're just automatically doing bad stuff, right? But can I say that temptation is not really the bad thing. It's when we take actually what's a good thing, the things that God has created, and we twist and we turn it and we abuse it and use it in a way that God did not intend it for. One of my favorites is coffee coffee come on all the coffee lovers in the house make some noise i love coffee i wake up in the morning i make myself a cup of coffee and then i go a few hours later i go to starbucks because i'm getting tired and i need some more coffee and i probably drink you know like a big gulp size of coffee almost every single day or i drink tea whatever it is a caffeine gets me going through the day and i can make it now is coffee a bad thing no it's not Because God put the beans on earth, right? God put the beans on earth. And it was us that decided to roast it, grind it up, and pour hot water over it. Coffee's not a bad thing. But it is when we are tempted to rely on coffee to get us through the day instead of Jesus. That's where we are starting to come a little off track. Money. How about money? Be honest, okay? I asked last night's service, a Saturday night service, how many of you guys love money? Only one guy raised his hand. I was like, everybody else is a liar in here. Come on. Who loves money? Raise your hand and raise it up proud. Don't don't be shamed. I'm raising my hand too. I mean, 
if if I mean if you didn't raise your hand, you should give me what's whatever's in your wallet right now because <clears throat> is money a bad thing? Well, you know we can talk about how it's the root of all evil, but it, if God has all the money in the world, if He blesses us with the finances that we have today, is money really a bad thing, or is it the desire and the greed of money? If I were to give you a thousand dollars and say I'm going to give you this under one condition. I want you to go out, buy some food, and feed everybody in this community that's hungry, that's in need. Go ahead. Here you go. That's not a bad thing, is it? Like, wow, $1,000, that's great. I can bless so many people. But how many of us guys, come on, guys, you're, in, you're with me in this, right? Guys, how many of you would think, yes, I got $1,000, I can feed the people, or, <laughs> or, I could maybe buy a new TV to watch the Super Bowl on next week. Come on, who's, you know, there's thoughts that come into our mind. And we find that even when Jesus was walking through his second temptation, that Satan used even the word of God. He, he misquoted, he misused, I think it was Psalm 96, to get Jesus to jump off the temple because the word says that surely that you are his beloved and if you are, that his angels will come to your rescue. But Jesus said, it is written. We can take a good thing, manipulate it, twist it, turn it, abuse it, and use it for something that God did not intend it for. And we see this happening with people in our lives. Actually, you, you see those people that stand out on the street? They're not bad, but, but maybe they're just, they've just been tempted to use the word of God in a way that it wasn't supposed to. You know, like it says, uh, repent or go to hell. Go to hell, repent or go to hell. And it talks about how, you know, there's people that say God hates this and God hates that. When I read the Bible, I read more about God's love, his mercy, and his grace, and his kindness, and how he's constantly trying to be here with us to bring us back into relationship with him. That's what I read when I get to read his word. But, if he, but you see, the temptation is to take certain things and to twist it and to morph it into what we believe is true and to use it for our own selfish desires. I got... I got to be really honest with you if I can. I'm just going to be um, pretty vulnerable right now. So it's almost like uh, it's a little bit of a scary thing. But um, yesterday morning, I was thinking about this as I was eating a bowl of cereal, trying to put some finishing touches on the message. And I th- all I could think about was, man, how, what would it be like to be ordained and I literally laughed out loud, okay? Like, I laughed out loud as I thought this because when I laugh, you got to understand that I, I feel uncomfortable. So I'm kind of laughing right now because I feel a little bit uncomfortable. But what would it would be like if I were to be, you know, at, right after the ordination, it's like, yay, everybody's stoked. And then I come up here and have give the worst message of my life. You know, like, that would be just terrible, wouldn't it? That would be terrible. That's what Satan was tempting me with yesterday, last night. He was saying, hey, man, you got to perform if you want everybody to think you're valuable. There's a temptation to take something that God is wanting to do, distort it and twist it so that I could feel like I was more valuable, like God didn't already tell me that I am. Maybe you're here today, and that's something of what you're going through. There's different temptations. Today, when we focus into this one, we're looking at the temptation of taking control of your life. 
It's going to come up in Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 through 11. Let me read this for you. Um, uh, I'll read this part. Again, it says, The devil took him, Jesus, to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended to him. In other words, Satan was telling Jesus, you can have the crown. You can have these kingdoms. You can be king without even going to the cross. Because how many of us know that the cross represents shame and death? You can have the kingdoms without even going to the cross. For me, this is a really hard message, and I hope you hear my heart through this today because this is actually something that God is showing me today. And I share it, and I just hope and I pray that he speaks to you as well. So would you bow your heads? Let me pray for us before we go any further. Lord, thank you for this time where we can come together and we can celebrate and be in your goodness and your presence, Lord. But Father, help us to see the way that Satan is trying to manipulate and tempt us today, God. But help us to be in your spirit, Lord. I'm praying that it would be only by your spirit today that you would take our knowledge, the, the things that we hear, and you would move it into our hearts so that it would birth transformation, God. Would it not be um, condemnation? Would it not feel shameful? But Lord, I just ask that you would bring your spirit, that you would show us and bring us to a place of conviction where we can be with you. Humble ourselves to glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, like I said, this is something that God's been showing me over the past you know, few months. And it's pretty fresh. So, something that reminds me, every time it comes on, on the TV is this commercial. Now, I usually hate commercials, okay? I usually can't stand it. I, turn, I change, change the channel. But this commercial makes me laugh every time I see it. So I want to share it with you folks. Go ahead. Let's show this video. It's uh, a, a small finger, a, a, a worm. Like a, a dagger. A tiny sword. Breadstick. Bread Matchstick. A lamppost. Um, coin slot. No. no. Uh, Ten seconds. A stick. Um, a walking stick. Right. A boundary. One kilometer. Big time. Sorry. It's a tandem bicycle. What? What? As long as sloths are slow, you can count on Geico saving folks money. Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more on car insurance. It was a tandem bicycle. I mean, I know God loves all His creatures that He's created, but you know what? Who wants to be on the same team as the sloth? Come on. Nobody, right? And I could relate to that guy that was like, coin slot, walking stick, come on. And that whole time, sloth, all you drew was this little line. And it's a tandem bicycle. If I was, if I was in that room and the sloth was on my team, I would have to sit on my hands because I would be so tempted to take control of the situation. You're not moving fast enough. We're going to lose the game because you're the slowest moving creature that God has ever created. You know, sometimes, if I'm not careful, I can get in that same place with God. I don't like this place where I'm at today, Lord. It hurts today. It's frustrating. Why won't the season go by faster? My friends, my family are suffering. Why can't we just move 
past this, God, and I'm very tempted to reach out and take control. It kind of reminds me of a time where I was running late for work. How many of you ever run, run late for work, you know? And I had a meeting, and it's one of those days where everything just starts to, like, go, go like, in a wrong way. Run out to my truck. I don't have my keys. Run back in. Run back out. I don't have my phone. And it's like, oh, my goodness, I'm freaking out because I'm running late. And so I'm, you know, trying to leave my house in Hawaii Kai. I turn onto Kalani Aneole Highway, and I'll find that everyone is driving the same speed, slow. Everybody's driving slow. And you ever have one of those days where it's like there's three lanes on the highway, right? And there are three cars in all three lanes that are driving the exact same speed. What am I going to do? So I found myself in back of a white Toyota Corolla. Let me show you this. This is what the car looked like. I found myself in the back of a white Toyota Corolla. I hope it wasn't you that I found myself in back of that day because I was driving so slow. And out of the corner of my eyes, I saw the other two cars start to speed up. And in my head, I said, okay. You know, my brain kind of works like a GPS system. It's like, if you do this, and then the, there's a line that draws out, and you can go, and, you know, that's your route. As soon as I was going to change lanes, I felt like God was telling me, I want you to stay behind the Corolla. And I was like, what? Why would I do that? This person's driving so slow. I'm going to be late for my meeting, God, and people are going to, like, look at me, and they're going to be like, what's wrong? He's irresponsible. But, you know, I decided as, as Christians and probably as a pastor, I should try to do what God is telling me to do. So I'm sitting there driving super slow. And so from about where Costco is in Hawaii Kai to about New Valley, I'm just, you know, by that time, my hands are like kind of tensed up now, you know, because when you're starting to get frustrated, you're like, oh, God, why would you ask me to do this? You know, and I'm looking at all the cars pass me by. What? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I'm so tempted at this moment. And finally, I got to this place where I was like, God, I don't know what you're, you know, this is probably, you know, and we try to write it off, right, at times. Like, this probably, probably wasn't even God in the first place. So I kind of just change lanes, and I kind of do this zigzaggy thing up until about I get to Kalani High School. And I'm trying to make my way back into the right lane. I was in the middle lane trying to put my blinker on. We got amazing drivers in Hawaii, but not to, not that day, not that morning. They didn't want to let me in. So I'm patiently waiting, and I'm, I'm trying to get back into the right lane. What do I see? The white Corolla passed me. The white Corolla passed me by. I was two minutes late for a meeting that day. If I would have stayed in the place where God asked me to stay, where God told me to stay, I would have been on time. Why do I share this story? Because eventually I made it to the meeting. And it doesn't really matter if I was two minutes late or not. But I share this story because we will constantly find ourselves in life being tempted to detour off the journey that God has set forth for us. So if you're taking notes today, I want you to write this down. If we detour from the journey, we can miss the destination. Go ahead and underline that word detour as well. If we detour from the journey, we can miss the destination. So what does that mean? Because I've been coming to church and I raised my hand and I said a prayer and Jesus in my heart. So doesn't that mean that I go to heaven? And I'm not saying that you don't, but I'm saying that what if, what if 
what if heaven wasn't necessarily, like at the end of your life, when your body passes away, then you go to some magical place. What if that's not actually the destination that God has for us? You see, because when I read the word, I see that Jesus came not to just die on the cross and forgive us for our sins, but Jesus actually came here to earth to bring his kingdom, to bring the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven right here, right now, so that we don't have to wait until our body passes away, but that we can be in that now, the here and the now. We can experience that. But Satan is working so hard to veer us off track, to get us off the journey that God has set for us. Because do you know this? That whatever you put in the journey will eventually impact your destination. Whatever you put in the journey will eventually impact your destination. And I'm asking that what if at the end of the day in our lives that we end up in a place where we never wanted to be because we gave in to the temptations that Satan was throwing at us. It's so easy to start to look and to take control of our own lives. For, for many of us, it comes up in different forms. For me, for most of us, it's going to be a thing called fear. Fear drives us to do a lot of things. For me, I like to take control because I have a fear of my schedule. I want to do things the way I want to do it and in the form and in the fashion that I want to do it. I want to have control over my schedule. I want to meet with people when I want to meet with them. I want to finish my emails when I want to do it. I want to write the message when I, I, do you you hear that? There's a lot of eyes in there. It became more about me because I have a fear. And so out of that fear, I reached out and I'm willing to take control. For some of us, maybe there's a fear that it threatens your security in life. Like, I have a dog, and when I'm walking her, she's on a leash and a collar. And if she tries to run out into the road, I'm, I'm, I fear for her life, so I pull it back. I don't let her go there. And maybe for some of us, there's a fear that there's, it's threatening the security that we have in life. It could be financial. It could be with your children, with your spouse, whatever it is. But maybe there's a fear of security that causes us to go out and to take control and to take matters into our own hands. Or what about like rejection? I think some, many of us probably have this fear of rejection. Maybe when we were growing up, like he liked me or I liked him, but, but she didn't like me or whatever it is, you know. Or maybe like there's friends that we had growing up that stabbed us in the back. So there's a thing that says, I never want to feel like that again. So I will never put myself in that kind of situation again. But family, what if God is asking us to be around those people? What if he's asking us to reconcile the relationships that have been hurt in the past? But if I take control because of a fear, it says, God, I'm not going to even put myself in that situation today. Some of us just like to be right. I mean, I don't know anybody that wakes up in the morning that says, God, I want to be wrong today. Everything that comes out of my mouth is going to be wrong. You know? Some of, but there's some people myself included, that we'll do things, that we'll go to like a crazy extent to prove that we are right. And even in that, it's like God asks us to humble ourselves, but I want to prove so much that I'm right and that I can take control of the conversation or the situation just to say I told you so. 
See, I don't know where you're at today, but I think for many of us, we can fall into these different categories. And so as we unpack the scriptures today, the, the, what Jesus actually walked through, we're going to see that he is tempted to take control of his life, of his journey, but he resists the devil. And so we're going to look at Matthew. I'm going to kind of just break up the scriptures a little bit. Matthew chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Again, the devil took him to a where? A very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. Why is this so important? The high mountain and the kingdoms of the world. You see, in the ancient day, they believed that the high mountain place, a mountaintop, would symbolize God's divine power or a place where God was near and close to you. Moses went to the top of the mountain where God would meet him to speak to his people where God met Moses to give him the Ten Commandments where he wrote it on, uh, on a stone with his finger. For Jesus, Jesus' most famous sermon is called the Sermon on the Mount. Now, some scholars say that it was a hill. It wasn't really a mountain. But we know it as a mountain top that in a place where he was close to God and he was sharing the power and the wisdom that came through God. When Jesus went out to feed the, to feed the people, to feed the 5,000, the, the numbers, the people, what did he do after? He went to the mountain and he prayed. In a place where he was so torn, God, can I, I don't want to go to the cross. I don't, not my will, but your will be done. When he prayed so hard that he started to bleed, where was he? In the Mount of Olives. The mountaintop represented a place where people felt close to God and would feel his divine power. Satan could have taken Jesus anywhere. He could have taken him into space and showed Jesus all of the kingdoms. But he took him on top of a mountaintop. All the kingdoms of the world, why is that important? Because that is the very reason why Jesus came to earth in the first place. To reveal God's kingdom to all of the people here on earth. That's why it was so tempting for Jesus. Because Satan held it out on a silver platter. Hey, you can have your kingdom. You can rule over these people. You can have your crown without going through all the pain, the suffering, and the hurt that would come to you and the cross. You can be the king without the crown. And he continues to say in verse 9, All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. I will give you if you. I will give you if you. It's funny because you know what God says? He says, I've already, I've already given to you so that you. See how Satan kind of flips it around? I will give you if you. Now, do you know what would have happened if Jesus would have bowed down to worship Satan in this moment? He might have gotten control over the kingdoms that Satan was tempting him with. But I believe that Jesus still would have went to the cross. And instead of dying for the sins of the world, the shortcomings of the world, Jesus would have just died for his own shortcoming, for his own sin. Worship the Lord himself. What does this sound like? Remember, there's an angel and there's a devil. 
what does that translate into our brains, into our, our heads? It sounds kind of like, I will give you if you. It sounds kind of like this. When Satan's on your shoulder and he's saying, hey, you deserve better. You deserve more. You need more. You should have more. And the way that we hear it is, I deserve better. I need more. I should have what they have. It becomes an I and a selfish thing. So that the things of God are now becoming into our lives and twisting and turning. And it comes into us in a selfish manner. Now again, remember, I'm saying this because for me, I can be very selfish at times. And I think for all of us, we can agree that we all can. Because it's a part of our human nature. It's a part of the way that we've grown. That there is a selfish peace inside of all of us. But God is trying to get us to come back to his kingdom. How do we do that? How do we do that? The brother of Jesus, James, he says it like this. James chapter 4, verses 7 to 8. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will what? Flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. But this, the word doesn't just end there. Come near to God and he will come near to you. But what do we need to do? We need to wash our hands and purify our hearts. Because we fall short of the glory of God. At times we miss the mark. You double-minded people who are trying to double dip. And that is myself included to be in God's kingdom. Wanting the things of God but wanting to use it in the way that I want to use it. There are two ways that I know of to be able to resist the devil. And one of, one of them comes from this actual time when Jesus is being tempted. It shows up in all three of his temptations. And so in Matthew 4.10, it says, Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written. Worship the, the Lord your God and serve him only. It is written, it is written, it is written. Jesus is actually quoting Deuteronomy 6 verse 13. It is written. It is is written. Family, that's why the word of God is so important. It's so important. Not that we would just come here and show up on a Sunday morning because we're so limited. The message can only be about 40 minutes long and there's a limitation that we have here on a Sunday morning to be able to teach and even into the depth that we can go in for the word. But maybe if you've been reading, you know, the word the, the word of God, the Bible, for years now, and maybe to this year, God is saying, I want to take you a little deeper. I want to take you a little deeper. How can we do that? Well, we have an amazing midweek Bible study. And Pastor Don Horner, who's actually going to bring the message next week, he leads that every single week. And I tell you that they have such an amazing time. It's just about an hour long. But Pastor Don is such a great teacher. And he's able to dive really, really deep. Like my friend Pastor Jared says, you got to bring your scuba gear with you because it's going to go deep. Like he unpacks the history, the context in which everything was written in and what was happening um, in that day, in that time, in the area that it's happening in. Maybe that's you today. Where God is saying, I want to go, I want to take you deeper into the understanding of my word. Or for some of us here today, I understand that sometimes, we, you know, if we're new to church or this God, the, the Bible thing, it can be a little bit hard. 
Because as you open up, it's like, where do I even start reading? Um, I'm reading and I don't even understand. And it kind of just looks like a whole bunch of gibberish to me. And they're like talking in this poetic form that I can't even make sense of. Well, I want to make a shameless plug in a commercial because next week, uh, this coming Tuesday, I'm going to start a class. It's at 7 o'clock in the morning. It's going to be about 45 minutes long just for four weeks. And my heart is I want to just be able to help you break down the barriers that keep us from getting into God's word. I want to be able to show you some free tools that you can use to be able to take home to you and your family to start to begin to really understand what the Bible is and what it really talks about. Cool? Is that cool? If that's you, please sign up at the information center. I told you it was a commercial, right? Please sign up at the information center um, you know, on your way out so I can know the, how many people to expect and we can have enough space. The second thing, so that's the first thing. The word of God, it is written. How can we resist the devil if we don't know what God's word says and if we don't know what God's things, the way that he created everything where it was intended for? The second thing is this. As we fast forward to the end of Jesus' time with his, with his people, with his students, with his, with his so-called disciples, he shares this in John sixteen thirty three. He says, I have told you these things. What did he tell them? He's gearing them up. He's explaining to them, hey, you can have hope because I'm going to go to the cross. But it's all so that we can celebrate in God's kingdom. And that's why, see, I've told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. And in this world, you will have trouble. Anybody ever had a bad day before? Yeah, I think a lot of us. We know what it means to find trouble in the world. But what does Jesus say? Take heart, for I have overcome the world. Take heart. What does take heart mean? For us, the phrasing would be a little different. It would sound a little more like, take courage. Take courage. But what does even take courage mean? You see, the, the word that Jesus actually uses here to, to exemplify or to explain what he's saying is this word called tharseo. Can we throw it up? Tharseo. Can we say that together? Let's say it. Tharseo. And it means to be bolstered or strengthened from the inside. That literal Greek word that means courage means to be bolstered or strengthened from the inside. And when Jesus says take It's not our form of take because for us, when we hear the word take, it means that we have to reach out and under our own power, grasp and receive. But when Jesus says take, he's asking us to be able to take a step back and instead wait, wait upon the Lord and have courage, be strengthened from the inside out. Not under your own power or your own strength, but under the strength of God can we be strengthened from the inside out. The word of God and the waiting of God. The word of God to resist the devil and in the times where we desperately want to take control, can we take a step back, wait upon the Lord, to wait and to know that he is God. Second point is this. Let go of control and take courage. Let go of control and take courage. As I kind of wrap the message up today, I want to leave you with this final thing. Because Satan is kind of like a fly. It's not where you can just resist the temptation once and it's going to go away. 
you know, a fly comes in and you swat it and then it comes back and you swat it and it's like it's never ending, right? The fly is always there. Satan is just like a fly. He's a pest. And he's going to keep tempting us. He's going to keep bothering us. So let me give you the formula that he uses for temptation and manipulation. It's when you're weakest and where you're weakest. When you're weakest and where you're weakest. Because for Jesus, he spent 40 days in the wilderness, in the desert. He was all alone. He was fasting. He was hungry. And I'm willing to bet that he was tired when he was weakest. Where he was weakest, when Satan showed him the very reasons, the people that he so loved and valued so much that he came from heaven down to earth for. Where he was weakest. I want to ask you, where are you weakest? When are you weakest and where are you weakest? Because I'm willing to bet that Satan is going to try time and time again to hit you in those places. For me, um, I'm willing to share it. When, when, when I'm weakest is actually when I'm hungry. Come on, you guys get hangry in this place? Yeah? Like my wife tells me, we're not talking about anything else until you eat dinner. Or even when I'm tired. You know, Lauren tells me, <laughs> are you grouchy? You're grouchy. You must be tired. You know, we're not going to talk. You take a nap. The other thing, the when place that I find myself is when I feel overwhelmed. When I feel overwhelmed, when I feel like I've been working on my emails all day long and I close it for an hour and I open it and there's a hundred unread messages again, I'm like, I feel overwhelmed when I'm trying to work on the message, when I'm trying to make these meetings, when I'm trying to meet with people and it just feels so overwhelming like everything keeps stacking on top of each other and then what does my mind start to do? It starts to fast forward what life would look like. It starts to ask the question, God, why am I even doing this again? And it starts to ask, what is my future going to look like? Because where am I weakest? I'm weakest in the place where I trust God with my financial stability. Because as I look, I don't have any kids right now. I have a dog. But I'm praying that I would have a future that would involve having a family and some children. But when I look at the statistics, it says uh, from zero to 18, it's going to cost you about a million dollars now. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Are they really worth that much money? You know? They are. But honestly, when I think about it, I say, God, am I ever even going to make that? Or maybe I'm just called to live a life with me, my wife, and my dog. You know what I'm saying? That's when I'm weakest and where I'm weakest. Now, it's funny that I would share this message along with this, with being ordained last night as a pastor. Because I got to tell you, in the process of this ordination, um, again, I take it as a huge blessing and a a really big honor for my life. But I got to tell you, when Pastor Dale asked me if I would want to go down this path, I didn't have a big smile on my face. You know, I had to actually take a step back and say, wow, that is a huge commitment because am I actually willing to give up all control of my life? Am I willing to not, you know, when I get into a financial bind, it's easy to go out and look for a part-time job or trying to make things happen on your own. But am I willing to let go of all control where I would solely be in a work for God. And do you know when you get into these these times, 
what happens? We start to justify. Well, God, if I worked in the business, in the marketplace, I could reach more people for you. And I start to justify these things, but that's just a way for me as I'm falling into the temptation where God is saying, hey, can you take courage? Can you take courage? I want to share with you a song that God has been sharing with me. It got, this song actually got me through the past maybe three months or so, and I'm going to invite some friends as they come sing this song. My family, I, I don't know where you are at today. I'm not sure of everyone's circumstances, but I do know that maybe we're being tempted. We're in this place where Satan is like, come on, you deserve it. You deserve better or you deserve more where we could take control of everything. But God is with us. And he's saying, resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Resist him and he will flee. It is written it is written take courage my friends take courage let go of control of our lives so that we can continue on the path that God has so desperately set forth for us because at the end of the day there's no greater place than I'd rather be than in the presence of God himself